We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. The playoffs are off and running. What a start. Oh, my goodness. We've got a lot of playoff basketball to talk about. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. We're going to get into some awards today as well. But first, Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. That Thor trailer, it finally dropped. I woke up this morning and saw the notification and went, oh, boy. How excited are you for that? Oh my God, man. So I'm still buzzing from the Celtics uh, Nets game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, you know, on a high from that all day yesterday. I woke up feeling really good and I was ready to write this morning and all excited. And then I see trending on Twitter as I sign in Thor Love and Thunder. And I was like, oh, what, what happened? And I was like, oh, the teaser trailer. It's been trending for a while, though. And it's been a fake out. People have been talking yeah. about why the trailer yep. isn't out. And so I've done yep. that. I've well, probably five, six times at least when the last couple of weeks I went, <laughs> yep. oh, it must be out oh no yep. people are complaining <laughs> it's not out and it was today yep. and man does it look good they are nailing song choices yes. for these trailers like you using sweet a child of sweet mine. child yep. of mine by, by guns and roses and this one uh, just unbelievable and then just the the peak at the very mm-hmm. end of uh of uh natalie uh, portman jane foster's thor uh just just a little glimpse at the end just so so good i mean yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I'm so fired up. We've got uh, we're only a couple weeks from Doctor Strange. Yep. Uh, Moon Knight's in full swing. Like it's just you know, keep it coming, Marvel. Uh, you know, but we'll digress. We'll move on to basketball. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're gonna have a summer Marvel show at some point, if we not are, multiple yep. Marvel shows, because it's gonna. It might be. There's gonna be some points where we're gonna need to, but. Yeah, I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I love seeing Mjolnir like kind of pieced back together and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Very, very cool. So I'm going to have to make sure we yep. check, that, check that one out. Uh, the NBA, they had some exciting things going on as well. Maybe not as, not as exciting, but some exciting things too. Uh, I suppose let's start with, well, let's start with a little bit of news, I guess. So Mark Stein mentioned that Malcolm Brogdon, is likely to be traded by the Indiana Pacers. We talked about this a lot during the regular season that uh, the Pacers weren't allowed to trade Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon during the regular season. We'd have to wait until the offseason. I wonder though what his trade value is going to look like given that he spent so much time on the shelf this year. I know there were some games probably towards the end of the season where he could have maybe played, but the Pacers decided to err on the side of caution, mm-hmm. uh, particularly knowing they would probably move him this summer, didn't want him suffering another injury. But what do you think? 
if he could stay healthy, I think this is a guy that would be in high demand, but there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be concerned about the limited number of games he has played. Yeah, super movable contract, about $22.5 million for each of the next three seasons. It's 22.6 next mm-hmm. year and then 22.5 each of the next two years. Those were his extension years. Um, he's He is, I think, older than people think because we remember he came into the league as an older right. rookie. Um, so he will already be – he'll be 30 right around the – beginning part of next season, uh, mid-December. So I guess just a little bit into the season. Um, But he is signed long-term. He's a really good on and off ball guy. He can run an offense as your point guard, uh, does really well playing off the ball. He's a solid defender, especially in good schemes. Um, So, yeah, I think there'll be a pretty good market for him because I find teams tend to – overlook the injury concerns mm-hmm. when they're making trades now what it, what it probably impacts more is the return the pacers get they're probably not going to get anything like monster return package and i think part of that will likely be because of um uh brogdon um and those injury concerns so i do think that's that's where this will go but overall i i think they're gonna they're gonna get something nice and somebody's gonna get a pretty good player now the Lakers have been connected to Malcolm Brogdon, to Buddy Heald, to the the Pacers, but we also had Mark Stein mention that uh, that the Lakers might not be quite so willing to take back anything in a Russell Westbrook yep. trade. That instead they are going to have as a prime consideration the injury history of any players they bring back. Now Stein used that to. I talked a little bit on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel about what that might mean for Malcolm Brogdon, but Stein used that to jump into Gordon Hayward and mm-hmm. why the Lakers might prefer a Terry Rozier option instead, or at least that's the assumption that's out there. What are your thoughts on on that? To me, it almost feels like negotiating through the press to, to a degree, right? The Lakers kind of pushing back a little bit on this idea that they'll take anything for, for Russ, particularly focusing on, hey, we want guys who are going to be healthy because we've had so many health issues over the last two years. Sure, yeah. I tend to think that becomes a little bit more of a, like you said, negotiating yeah. ploy, where if it's, hey, Hornets, we're... We'll take Gordon Hayward, but you have to add to that, yeah. right? You you need to add Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumley and something else. And, and I know people are going to be Mason Plumley. Well, Mason Plumley's started for a team that made the play in, and he's not horrible. So at least we'd give you something, and that gives you a nine million dollar tradable exactly. contract later. Um, so I think that's the kind of thing the Lakers are probably going to be be putting out there right now. Is right. We've said all along, you you do this, you got to split that uh Westbrook deal up into two, three, four players if you can, just to increase the viability of building out your roster. So I think that becomes the, the mark here. I do think it should be a consideration that you can be doing a trade where the main thing you get back is you're trying to sell because right, because it's hard to sell your fans. Hey, I know we got player X back, but really we got him because that's a tradable contract. Mm-hmm. Like nobody really wants to hear that, right? You're yeah. not a rebuilding team. So it turns into a you got to be able to sell something other than, hey, here's Gordon Hayward who might play half the games right. next season at best, right? When you're already facing that potentially with LeBron and AD. So I, I understand that kind of trepidation, but I also think if you could turn it into Hayward and you know two other guys, Sure. Then, then that, you know, is something that starts to make a lot more sense. And for whatever games you get together, 
with them, however few it is, Gordon Hayward's a heck of a lot better fit with AD and LeBron than Russell Westbrook was ever going to be. That's a that's a low bar to clear, but yes, yeah. you you are yeah. you are correct. Yeah. That... Keith Smith, hot take. <laughs> I, boy, I went way out on a limb on that one. <laughs> and and just in I mean, the Lakers lacked so many wings this year. I mean, they had sure. virtually none in terms of big wings yeah. that could do the kind of things they need them to do defensively. Um, not that Hayward is a lockdown defender or anything, but he gives you some size on the wing that the Lakers could certainly and use. He, he's fine defensively. Sure. Yeah, he's not. He, you're not grabbing him and putting him on the other team's best player by any means, but, but he does. Okay. And I think we have kind of collectively forgotten, like this guy's not bad. No. I mean, he just can't stay healthy. That's, I mean, basically since that opening night uh, injury with the Celtics, he, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but this year, 15.9 points, 4.6 rebounds, 3.6 assists. Uh, his playing time was down a little bit, uh, but 45, 39-85 from the field. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty good. And last season, 47-41-84 from the field, 19.6 points, 5.9 rebounds, 4.1 assists. Like that that's a good versatile player that you know could could definitely, you know, help. And 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 we all know, you know, maybe, maybe you get him and Quinn Snyder and you are, you already lead the league in Hollywood haircuts too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That that's all it takes. Quinn Snyder needs to needs to after he's done coaching, he needs to transition into acting because he is the best villain face oh my god ever 100 ever yeah um, yep yeah he he like if they were still you know i know bruce willis is unfortunately retired from acting but if you were making a diehard movie quinn snyder could 100 be the bad guy in a diehard movie i said he could be uh arthur harrow in moon knight he could have he could have been yeah, he, he could have been he could have been yeah. that role although have did you know this is a thing sorry to, to take us down another rabbit hole <laughs> people think that's kevin bacon really yeah Really? Yeah. And not Ethan Hawke. Yeah. And I kind of huh. I can kind of see it. Like I kind of get yeah. where they're where they're coming from. I I can see it. But yeah, a lot the of long hair, I guess. Yeah. I didn't Kevin Bacon. Uh, do you remember the movie Air up there? Yes. Do you remember that yes. Movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he's the basketball yep. coach. Mm-hmm. He has kind of long hair. Yep. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I no, I to, now that you say it, I hadn't thought of it, but now that you say it, I guess that makes <laughs> I mean it doesn't really make sense, but I guess <laughs> I can kind of understand sure. it. So yeah. All right. All right. Let's want to move into these playoffs. Let's do it. You want to start East or West? Um, doesn't matter. You pick. Okay. I'm good either way. Uh, let's go. Let's go East. Um, and, and let's just start with start at the top with the number one seed. Let's go Miami and Atlanta. Gosh, Miami's well, good. Quick. Miami's Miami's so good. That's why I yeah. wanted want to you know get an easy rep in here with <laughs> with Miami Atlanta before we move into the tougher ones. Uh, Miami. Gosh, they they're so good. They're on the same page. I don't think. The Hawks, Trey Young are going to shoot quite that bad in the future, but Miami is just, they're just the better, the better team. And you can see there are moments where Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, guys like that are, are doing things out of the floor where you just went, that's something that guys who know how to win do just, they've got that experience. They know how to make the big play. And, uh, and they do it. And so Miami, I almost feel like Miami, and maybe this is me personally, has been getting overlooked a little bit too much in the East. 
I think so too. I, I think there's definitely something to that. But you know what? I bet that's exactly how they want it. Yeah. Right. You know, Eric Spolster is telling those guys, you know, daily, like, hey, everybody's talking about Boston, Milwaukee, yeah. Brooklyn. You know, they, they don't think you can win. You know, and he's probably just hammering that message of Philly and Toronto or, you know, the, the fun teams everybody's wondering about and, and all that. But man, it, you're exactly right. Trey Young and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich are not going to combine to shoot one of 20 mm-hmm. again in this series. That will not happen. Um, I do think that he'd have better defenders for them. So I don't all of a sudden expect them to combine to go 15 of 20 in the next game. Um, I do think there will be a game where Trey Young will score 40 to 50 points and probably lead the Hawks to a win. But it may come when they're down like 3-0 and the Heat are just kind of out there playing around. But offensively, 35 assists on 43 baskets. Incredible for Miami. I mean, that is just machine like, you know, coming out. And when you have that long of a layoff that they had, you know, basically a full week off, um, really exactly a week off for a lot of the guys, because a lot of the guys did not play in that final game for them. Just absolutely, you know domination rolled over him locked in defensively and then just saw offensively Duncan Robinson nine out of ten from the floor eight out of nine out of three um you gotta feel really good if you're a heat fan seeing that because he had not been very good uh the, this entire season so yeah just you know absolutely rolled in Kyle Lowry you know played a Kyle Lowry game just absolutely controlled things not the biggest stat line but absolutely mm-hmm. ran the show and uh, got them whatever they wanted that pick at a critical moment on on Trey Young too yeah. that was, I mean absolutely amazing yeah. uh they are they are for real they're very very good yep. uh let's yep. jump over to the 76ers and the Raptors man injuries hitting the Raptors already Scotty yeah. Barnes dealing with an injury Gary Trent Jr potentially out due to uh illness this I mean this is not great for for Toronto, that young dealing with something as well, it's tough. Uh, Sprain thumb. Yeah, it's it's tough yeah. seeing the Raptors get hit by all of these things. I thought uh, James Harden did James Harden things. Joel Embiid was yep. pretty tough to tough to deal with uh, in there. And then when you've got guys suffering injuries like that, you know, on top of I thought the Raptors didn't particularly play that well. And you've got a, a game one win there for for Philly. I'm not going to count the Raptors out, but if Scotty Barnes is done, done, which it's sounding like he's he's doubtful for game two. That's going to be really tough to make up that ground now. He's now been ruled out. Oh, has he? He's been ruled out completely. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And let's not overlook Tyrese Maxey. Absolutely bananas. He was fantastic. Yeah. He was just too quick Mm -hmm. for any of the Raptors guards. Like he just, you know, really got what they wanted. I applaud Philly for playing um, up tempo Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Um, then I think they they really wanted that one bounce pass Harden had from like half court to Maxey, the two handed bounce pass. Um, you know, for him to get him that layup was really good. I thought Tobias Harris played great too, um, which is, you know, something there. You know, Embiid was not awesome in this game on offense. He he struggled a little bit. Uh, Harden did not shoot well, nope. but they really but moved the ball well. They did well. other stuff. Uh, Harden and Maxi picked up. Yep. Yeah, Embiid was dominant defensively. So, yeah, it's just going to be tough. You know, the Raptors, they're going to have to – really kind of junk this game up, play weird defenses, do some different stuff. Maybe going a little bit bigger helps them slightly with Barnes out. I would expect Birch to start, but if Trent can't go, they just don't have 
great wing depth. They've got a bunch of wing-sized guys, but they all start in, you know, Siakam, Barnes, mm-hmm. and Anobi and Trent. And you take two of them out, they don't really have backups to slide in for those guys. So I'm going to be very curious to see what Nick Nurse does. But if there's a coach in the league that I trust to come up with some goofy kind of game plan that looks weird, it's Nick Nurse. So so we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, they 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 it was it's always a tough road when you lose game one. It's going to be even harder for them now. Absolutely. Uh, jumping to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls. I mean, again, Milwaukee, very, very good. The Bulls, they, I thought yeah. they put up fight. I thought Alex Caruso made some big plays for them yeah. defensively, but ultimately Giannis is Giannis. The Bucks are the Bucks. They execute when they need to, um, and and they find ways to to get the win. Uh, it felt like every time the Bulls were right there, ready to push back. Then the Bucks just said, nope, we're just going to do this, this, and this, and we're going to extend our, our lead again because this is what we know how to do. And this is what we've been saying about Milwaukee all along. They've got the experience. Come playoff time, they're going to kick it in. Maybe, you know, the Bulls obviously missing Lonzo Ball. That that certainly matters. But, ultimately, I mean, Milwaukee has just a good a cha- as good of a chance as any other team, maybe better than any other team to come out of the Eastern Conference because they do have that that confidence that you see when yep. they're when they're playing. They've got that experience. They know how to do it and they know exactly how to execute down the stretch. If I'm the the Bulls, this is like missed opportunity city yeah. here because the Bucks did not shoot well. They also turned it over 21 times in this game. So not shooting well combined with 21 turnovers. But when DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Zach Levine combined to shoot 21 of 71 from the field, you're not going to win. It's just it's just impossible. Uh, Vuce and Levine were combined 4 of 20 from 3. Um, you know, if you just look at their scoring lines, they all look like, well, wow. you know, not too bad. You know, uh, Vooch 24 and 17, Levine 18 points, 10 rebounds, DeRozan 18, 8 and 6. They missed their but, big momentum shots. Exactly. Yep. And you just got to look at those shooting lines. They're just so awful. I mean, they, they shot 32%. Now, I guess you look at it and say, hey, you know, we shoot a little bit better. We probably win this game, right? We make, you know, just a couple guys make the shots they usually make and we win this game. But on the flip side, Milwaukee's not going to turn it over 21 times again in this series. They're also not going to commit or shoot as poorly as they did either. So that's, that's a, that's tough. Well, when you, when you get the other team to play, that's my guess is that this is the worst the Bucs will play in this series. And this is, might be the worst the Bulls will play in the series this, too. It wasn't a pretty game for sure. I mean, 93 to 80, yeah. 86 was the final score, yeah. but did you watching this game at any point feel like the Bucks were really going to lose? No, I didn't. I didn't no. either. And that's yeah. what, that's what I'm talking about. Even as sloppy yeah. as this game was and as ugly as this game was, it felt like the Bucks had this well under control pretty much the entire way. Yeah. I can't say that about the next one. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's get to, to your team, the, the Celtics and the Nets, the Celtics. I mean, a thriller at the, at the buzzer going up one Oh, uh, Jason Tatum with a nice cut. And here's my, my outsider's perspective. I'm, I know you're going to have plenty to say on this one, Keith, but it's such a styles clash to me on, particularly on the offensive end of the floor, watching these two teams, you've got the Nets who are very much ISO friendly because they've got Kevin Durant. You've got Kyrie Irving. Oh, the offense is breaking down. Here you go, KD. Go get us a bucket. Here you go, Kyrie. Your turn now. Go do your thing. Whereas the Celtics mm-hmm. on the other side, very team-oriented. Sure, you can give the ball to Tatum. He can create something or Jalen Brown or, or whoever. But it's a much more team-focused 
attack. And so seeing that contrast of styles play out on the court, it's really, really interesting. And watching the way the game played out, I was surprised that the Nets were as close to getting this win as they were. Because I thought Boston was playing better, but the Nets just hit some really tough shots. Uh, but then, of course, the, the Celtics do manage to get the, the big stop. And then the score... Again, a team first play. Marcus Smart doesn't panic under pressure. And then Jason Tatum makes the right cut at the right time. And here's a layup to win the game. Um, absolutely incredible stuff. And again, it was a lot of fun. But I think the Celtics can play better than than what they did against the Nets this the, this last game and uh, and really seize control of this thing. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of stuff the Celtics can clean up for sure. Some of their their switches weren't exactly on point the way they want right. them to be. They, they they were when they needed them to be, especially at the end of the game. Um, but they and they they did not shoot all that well. Um, you know, at various points that they left some points on the board, um, both at the free throw line and not pushing the issue. This game, the officiating was brutal. And for like most of the first 40 minutes, it was like touch yeah. foul after touch. And foul. then then the last eight minutes I was like clothesline and dudes into the se second row. And it's like, just let the, it go. Like you can't. That's it needs not, to be one or the know. other. Consi I think that's all yep. teams want. Just be consistent. Yep. That's it. Because then, they can then yeah, then yep. they can say, OK, well, that's a foul. I need to adjust to that. But when you're changing mid game, what is and isn't a foul? Yeah. That that's an impossible situation for the players to be in. That's when things get ugly. That's mm -hmm. when fans get frustrated. Just be consistent. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I know. 100% with that. Um. I, I think what you said about the end game as you know, clearly I've watched every Celtics game this year, twice, mm -hmm. all of them. Um, and they are in a position now where they're just a different team. They, they do things differently than the way they did it earlier. And you saw it in those end game situations. They, quite frankly, if this game was being played with the way Boston played in October, November, December, and even the very early stages of January, they would have crapped their pants at the end and they probably would have lost mm -hmm. by 10. Instead, they were able to stay composed. They had two for one that Jalen Brown got right at the end of the game was huge. Then they were able to get into right back, get that stop. Marcus Smart's defense on Kyrie Irving on that play. Because you know Kyrie wanted yeah. that shot. He wanted and to be the one to clinch that game. He had it. 
and didn't pull the trigger on the three. He had the yep. opening, but he wanted yep. to burn a little more clock. Initially. And that was yep. that was the mistake. He had the the, the yep. initial pull from three going to his left. He was mm-hmm. squared up. I thought he was going to pull the trigger, and he decided to burn more clock. And I think that yep. was the big... I mean, I understand wanting to burn clock in that situation, but that sure. was the open look that he had, and he turned it down. Yep. And then Horford and, uh, you know, helping out there, then Tatum's defense on Durant. I have another point on Tatum in just a minute. Um, getting that stop, Horford getting the rebound, and then Ime Udoka said, I'm going to always let the guys go without calling a timeout um, at the end of game, and we trust that if they get stuck, I'll call, I will call the mm-hmm. timeout. But Jalen Brown rushing it up the floor, didn't rush into a shot himself, kicked it out to Marcus Smart. Smart then didn't take the three. You, If you had told me Marcus Smart was going to pass up a three-point right. shot, I would have assumed that was only because somebody was standing wide open under the basket that he could dime up. And that's kind of sort of what happened, except Tatum wasn't exactly wide open. Tatum said after the game, when everybody was like, how did you know to make that cut? And he said, honestly, I was going to get in position for an offensive rebound. Um, he was like, that's why I was running so hard and smart hit him. He made the great spin move. There's now angles that have come out that show probably should have been an and one, mm-hmm. but I mean, at that point didn't it didn't matter. Really matter. Um, you know, put it in and they, they, they escape with the one point victory. My point on Tatum that I wanted to go back to, he's been kind of all year long, really started in the second half of last season, but all year long, he's been like knocking on that door of like, is Jason Tatum a top five, 10 player? Mm-hmm. Like where you feel very like, yep, just put him on the list. We'll figure out his placement later on that list. This was the kind of game where I think he takes, this is the one where you look to and you say, yep. He's there. That that's where he is. Somewhere in that five to ten range, without a doubt. You know, and maybe there's the potential to start knocking on that top five. I don't think he's quite there yet, but that that mm. potential. I mean, thirty-one points, eight assists, and he was throws. the primary defender on Kevin Durant. Yep. You know, and helped. You know, big big part of holding KD to nine of twenty-four shooting. So, you know, just an unbelievable game game for him. And you know, uh, thank God there's two days off. <laughs> Uh, cause I know I need them. I'm sure everybody who played needs, needs them, you know, with that. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, well, well, what a game to open a series. It felt like a final game. I like, it, I mean, looking know, when yeah. they, when they released the starting lineups, I just, I initially just went, the Nets had no chance in this. I mean, when they, when they put the starting five out, I went, yeah. they're not big enough. They don't have a, you yep. can't have three guys who are six two to six four in your starting lineup and deal with the with the Celtics team that's, that's that up. plays big. I mean, the Celtics play like the twenty twenty Lakers did. They're they're bigger, faster, stronger than you, and they're going to beat yep. you with that that type of stuff. And you, I mean, and they're yeah, physical, and Bruce, they're going to hit you. I mean, they beat the crap out of Kevin Durant in this game. You know, to the point where some Celtics fans are like, all these foul calls, and it's like some of these aren't bad yeah. calls. And you know what? I don't think the Celtics really care. About giving, you know, Grant Williams giving up a couple fouls. They don't care if that gets KD out of his game. Sure, you'll go for it. But yeah, I mean, fourteen offensive rebounds yep. for Boston in this one. Uh, yeah, Steve Nash. We'll see. They're not going to overreact. Right? They're probably going to come back with the same groupings for Game mm-hmm. Two because it was a one point loss. You don't want to go crazy um, if you're the Nets. But I do think there's got to be some questions that start getting asked of like, 
All right, can we really run with Andre Drummond out there? Can we run those three guard yeah. groupings with with uh, Dragic, Mills, and Kyrie, or Dragic, Curry, and Kyrie? That those, those are tough against Boston because you're absolutely right. I mean, their smallest guy they play is Peyton Pritchard, and he's a what did he get? Yeah, yeah, eight minutes. He's a ten minute a night yeah. guy off the bench. Um, everybody else that they play, the next smallest guy is Marcus Smart, who's you know one of the bigger, uh, stronger guards in the league. Yeah, I mean, look, Bruce Brown. He plays big for his size, six four, but you he's not a you can't play him as your small forward against this this Celtics team. And there's not an, really another option on on this Nets roster. Yeah. It's not like they're so they're just they're missing a, probably a couple of big wings here. I think that's the going to be the difference in this series is the Nets don't have that player. That's why I picked the the Celtics to win this in five. I just I don't see the matchup for. For the Nets to, to deal with the size of, of Boston. But before we move on, uh, Kyrie is probably going to lose a little bit of money um, for yeah. some of the things going on there. But then again, I honestly, I don't blame him too much. A lot of the stuff that was nope. being said to him was pretty over the top. And, you know, I understand yeah. there's a lot of feelings towards Kyrie there. There's a lot. But we always talk about, you know, fans crossing the line and saying things. Now you've got Kyrie kind of lashing, lashing back out. I just hope it doesn't get worse uh, between Kyrie and the, the Celtics fans in, in game two. Yeah, he's going to get yeah. fined. I mean, past precedent in the league is guys get fined for this stuff. Well, the big thing will be, is the NBA going to treat it as one fine or are they going to break it up? Because he does technically he had or... four different... Yeah. What's does, he, does he get like a bulk rate here on this or, or how yeah, does that right? work? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Somebody, I don't know who it was. Somebody tweeted like they should give him a uh, option to just like, Hey, can I buy a fine amount for the entire series? <laughs> like up front, like a package plan. Right. Um, yeah. My thought on it is, is one, when he came out initially and he did all his, um, you know, Hey, we just all, you know, it's just basketball, like blah, blah, blah. He said that a few days ago and then he gets in there and like, obviously it's, not for you either yeah. so like like let's not, don't give us any of the speeches about everybody be better everyone should be better i just because you buy a ticket doesn't give you the right to say anything you want there's definitely things that are a hundred percent gross and no goes mm -hmm. anything too like i said this about russ when he complained anything directed towards players families is is off limits and it's disgusting you should be immediately kicked out you say racist stuff see yep. you later out like nobody needs to hear that stuff but people saying you suck and all that that's, I mean, guys, you know, that's like the most benign thing. Sure. You know, I had a game, but I also have no problem with him responding the way he did either. Like if he, if he truly doesn't care about the money, which obviously doesn't, he forfeited half of his paycheck this year. Right. Uh, by not playing, then I don't care. You know, let, let him do, do what he wants. And it does it make it more entertaining and give the series a real villain on that one side. Sure. I mean, if that's, you know, if you're into that stuff, like I, you know, Again, yeah, everybody should probably be better, but if they aren't, then say what you want as long as it doesn't cross the line either way. Like I said, I just my hope is that it doesn't escalate into anything further in game yeah. in game two. Um, we'll see. We'll see what you know. We're gonna obviously the NBA is gonna issue fines and things of that nature, but we'll see where this this ultimately goes. Uh, let's jump over to the Western Conference again. We'll start with the with the easy one. The Phoenix Suns are better than the Pelicans. Yeah. And I mean, Chris Paul sure. did Chris Paul things down the stretch. Uh, I mean, the Pelicans look they they did what they could. They put up an effort and everything. But I mean, the Suns are are very very good. They've been the best team in the NBA this season, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. This is the one you projected. I think we both did to be a sweep, and uh, and for good reason. Again, Phoenix is is a very very good team. 
Yeah, I guess the big thing for me was uh, Jonas Valanciunas getting 13 offensive rebounds. Sure. Um, that's something I get. If you're Monty Williams, right, you always want to come out of a game with something. But he was 7 of 21 team. shooting, too. Like, how exactly. many of those were yep. tip-ins from a his own misses? A handful and, of them were his yeah. own. Uh, and they missed an awful lot of shots anyway as a team. But, yeah, I mean, the Suns are the – they. I continue to say this, the best and most complete team in the league. Um, you know, they, they defend, they can score, they do all their stuff that they're, they're just great. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, I just, I'm not going to spill a whole bunch of more words on this one. Cause I just don't, I don't feel like it's necessary. There's, there's not, there's not as much to say. Um, jumping over to the Mavs and the jazz, you know, the Mavs did what they could No Luca. Uh, I thought they were, they were right there. You saw them, them making some plays and, and doing everything yep. they possibly, but ultimately, I mean, we said this, if Luca plays, they win. If Luca doesn't play, they probably just don't quite have enough firepower to yep. keep up with the Utah Jazz, and that is exactly how things uh, played out in Game 1. The question is, assuming no Luka Game 2, which I don't know if that's official yet, but that's what we've been hearing. Nah, they're still saying doubtful. They're going to keep that for as long as they can oh, yeah, in yeah. question, but yeah. uh, assuming no Luka in Game 2, can the Mavs manage to, to conjure up a win here? Or do they go down 0-2 and then have to head back to Utah and still, you know, this pressure on Luka to get back? I I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if the Mavs can get a win without him. No, I think uh, Matt Moore um, at HP Basketball on Twitter did a really good job pointing this out throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Is people were like, man, the Mavs are just getting deterred at the rim. And, and they were. But that's also not where they live anyway. Yeah. They live in the mid-range and they live on three-pointers. They're not a big team that gets a lot of layups. But Rudy Gobert's presence in there certainly did turn you know a few things away where it looked like they were driving in and looking to score. I mean, it really, you know, not to go steal the whole thing from, uh, what was it, NBA Today now or the jump, but it is a make-or-miss league. I yep. mean, they missed a lot of open shots. 9 of 32 on three-pointers wasn't good. The biggest single biggest stat for me, though, is Rudy Gobert got one field goal attempt. Now, he did get six free throws, so he had four total shooting attempts in the game. But one actual field goal attempt. Dallas to the point where, and I actually reached out to someone, and they're like, yeah, they will not throw him the ball. I'm on this. So we're going to keep putting guards on him inside if Mm -hmm. we need to because they're just not going to give him the ball. Like, that's that's insane. Like, that that is absolute insane insanity that he got one shot this is a guy too and i'm not i'm not going down this whole i'm gonna we're gonna get to the award stuff a little bit later so i'm not the you know biggest support rudy gobert on all things guy in the world this is a guy who on the french national team gives team usa all sorts of problems because they'll give him the ball and play through him but he can't play through against jalen brunson in the paint like come on right like you know, it's, I mean, I'm not to be all Twitter guy here, but grow up. Like, yeah. How much, how much of this is this, is, is this freezing him out? Is that what we're talking about here? I mean, is that what the, or is this I, a strategic I, thing? Quinn Snyder is saying to them, guys, this is how we win the game. Don't give the ball to Rudy. Like what, do, how do we feel know. about that? Yeah. I mean, it, if it's freezing them out, you know, talk about the most asinine time to For do sure. in a playoff game, but I don't know how you could miss him open against you know again and no disrespect meant to Jalen Brunson but there's a foot height difference there, yeah at least a foot like get get go bear the ball like well what are we doing like just all you had to in those situations do too was probably throw it just in the general vicinity of the rim and let him go up and catch it and it's an easy dunk I just 
I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's a lot of this offense was a lot of uh, Mitchell and Bogdanovich taking, you know, contested fallaways um, throughout, throughout the game. And they went in for Bogdanovich. They they kind of went mm-hmm. in for Mitchell. And, you know, that's that's what it was. I, I don't know. I, it makes me mad. I don't want to talk about that one anymore. You had 83 shot attempts for the Jazz, 49 of them for Donovan Mitchell and Bogdanovich. Yep. Wow. Yep. And then you've got Rudy Gobert. I mean, if anybody's asking for a trade <laughs> this summer, they're, they're pointing to this, right? Like if Rudy's, yeah. if Rudy's frustrated and saying, hey, you know, I'm only getting one shot yeah. at them. Come on. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's let's jump to Golden State. Golden State and the Denver Nuggets. Again, the the Warriors looked really good. I had a lot of people, saw a lot of the discourse yeah. on Twitter. People were saying, are we sure the Warriors aren't coming out of the West? Because they looked awfully good our guy jordan Poole doing doing his thing course stuff very yeah. back um yeah let's pause there for a yep. second truly 100 percent our guy yep go back and watch the shows over the summer we were loving jordan Poole and hyping him up as as the clay thompson replacement and basically we repeatedly said they're gonna be fine mm-hmm. without clay because they've got jordan Poole uh to come back so i i i feel you know we'll we'll conveniently skip all the things we got wrong <laughs> But let's let's uh, pat ourselves on the back for that. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Steph Curry coming off the bench in this one, only played 22 minutes. Uh, I mean, it worked. So I was I was surprised. That's what they did. Mm -hmm. But but it worked. Um, Again, Jordan Poole was fantastic. 30 points for him to lead the team in scoring. 22 minutes and 16 for for Steph. Clay Thompson hit five threes. So you'll take that. 19 points for him. Draymond did Draymond things. Six boards, nine assists, three blocks. His defense was fantastic against Jokic. Yep. Unbelievable. Jokic went into that that pivot series, mm-hmm. I call it, where he just gets it in the paint. He pivots like 15 times, and eventually somebody follows him or gets out of position. Nope, Draymond just sat there, just just sat on all of those, and then, oh, you're going up now. All right, I'll contest. Yep. Like, got unbelievable. Yeah. And Andrew Wiggins gave mm-hmm. them exactly what they need, Andrew Wiggins, to give them. Uh, we. All right, I'm going to couch this with they were really close to Phoenix at the beginning they of were. the year. Then as Clay came back, Draymond went out. As Draymond came back, Steph went out. So I think we've kind of said this on Twitter. I think we kind of forgot how good this team was, um, you know, at the beginning of the season. Um, I don't think they're going to pick Phoenix. I won't uh, pick them to beat Phoenix, but play Phoenix in the West Finals. Yeah, it's on the table for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They they definitely could. Um, I think it's huge that they stayed on the opposite side of the bracket, from Phoenix. Yep. And so exactly. that means that we're setting up for either Minnesota or Memphis in uh in the second round for the Warriors, assuming they get through. Obviously, 1-0, there's still a long lot of basketball to play. But uh, but let's jump to that. The the upset here that, that we saw, the one upset, yeah. I guess. We've got the Minnesota Timberwolves come into Memphis and get a win, go up 1-0 against the Grizzlies. Yep. Bit of a surprise that they were able to, to get that done. But you know what? You knew this was going to be a closer series than a 2-7 matchup would suggest. But you also knew that both of these teams get after it. Both of these teams play with a lot of energy, a lot of heart, a lot of hustle, and it was going to be a very fun series. And that, that's exactly what we got here. Uh, are you surprised that this, is, this was really the one upset that we got? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I am. I didn't think think it would go this way at all. I I knew the Wolves are an improved defensive team, but I thought Memphis would still kind of run it down their throats all game and really, really cause, cause them a ton of issues uh, with that. But it's they they played great. I did not expect to see. Now it was really Jaden McDaniels and Malik Beasley, but they were awesome off the bench mm-hmm. for the Wolves and outplayed the Grizzlies bench. And, and part of the Grizzlies' success lies in their depth. And I don't right in the playoffs. We was talk about you cut down your rotation, yep. right? If you play ten in the regular season, you go to eight or they nine. Yeah, they played ten, and I don't know where they cut down the rotation. This might be one of those. Remember Milwaukee a couple years ago when they kind of really took that first year. They took the step up to the top of the conference, mm-hmm. and they was like, "Wow, man, this team is good. They've got 10, 11, 12 guys who can really play." And they were just blowing everybody yep. out. And then they lost in the playoffs. Sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes it's more about having good. I call it functional depth than it is having overwhelming depth. And I start to wonder. Is this a situation where Memphis has more kind of overwhelming depth than functional depth? Is that, you know, that's great in a regular season, but not so great in the, in the postseason? I, I don't know. But that said, I think they'll play a lot better. I think Minnesota will play worse. I don't think they'll shoot 50, 50% 40. of the field. They, shot, they, shot, they yeah, essentially they, shot 50, 40, 90, 50, yeah, 39, 89. Yeah. That was their percentages yeah. for the Wolves. I don't think that is yep. sustainable. And if you're Memphis, that's what that's yep. what you're looking at, right? You're saying, well, yep. we know we can get the, those shooting percentages lower, and then we're we're right here. Also, I think if you're Memphis, you survived the Anthony Edwards has this tendency to have these massive outscoring outbursts. Um, then he mm-hmm. kind of goes in the tank yep. and misses a bunch of shots for a few games in a row. All right, you got that in game one. You took that that punch. You 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 got knocked down. Now you come back and hopefully you know he'll come back to earth a little bit. But it was fun. I mean, really really mm. fun to see these guys kind of go up and down and and get into it. There's an awful lot of trash talk yep. both ways um, in this one. So yeah, I that part you know bring that on. Let's go. I mean, if you remember too, John Morant got to the free throw twenty like, times, twenty times, Insane. like. You know, get whatever he wanted throughout the course of the game. So I think you feel pretty good about, all right, let's just keep doing doing what we do here. Yeah, I, I think that's the the thing for the Grizzlies. I don't think their confidence is going to be shaken at all. I think they're going to nope. come back right back out. This team's got way too much belief in themselves. You notice no shot attempts at all. No free throws, no nothing for Steven Adams. Yeah. And you're sure he's perfectly fine. And three rebounds. Only, only three rebounds. I mean, not an, but if you look yeah. at what he's tasked with doing, He's fine with with doing just just that and letting everybody else be the ones to get the shot attempts up. He's got to be more rebounds. He does need more rebounds, but I think he's focusing on trying to box his guy out and then almost a little Brook Lopez style, which is okay if the other guys can come flying in 
and grab those. He probably does need to be a bit more active there on the boards. But and I saw a lot of people saying, like, well, do you need to play Steven Adams less? Where where do you go to? I mean, Clark got If you don't against Cat, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. had five fouls. Yep. I know he had seven blocks yep. and, you know, was you know a huge impact on that end. But he had five fouls. Like, you can't, he fouls way too much to put him on Cat. He'll be on the bench, you know, three minutes into the first quarter in foul trouble if you go there. And Brandon Clark was pretty good off the bench, but – He's so small. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. That's, I, I, I just, you just need more out of Adams. He just needs to be better, you know, and I, and I think he will be. I will say this. I am preemptively, not that I'm trying to skip past game two of this series, but I am preemptively excited for that Minnesota crowd. Oh, yeah. In, uh, in, in game three back they there, were especially so the way they loud and, against the Clippers in the plan. Yeah. Yeah, knowing they got one of these on the mm -hmm. road, like, oh boy, they, they are going to be ready to go. So one of the things to watch, too, is three-point attempts in this series. We know the Wolves put mm -hmm. up a lot of them. 41 for Minnesota, 27 for the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies only shot it at 26%. That's the difference in this game. Yeah. Uh, can the Grizzlies do what they need to do to not necessarily get the attempts down for the Wolves, because you know they're going to shoot them, but get that percentage to come down a bit, and then they need to knock in a few more of their own. We'll see what can what they can do there. Also, the, uh, the fouls in this game were a factor. I mean, you look at how many guys got into foul trouble. We'll see. Both mm -hmm. these teams play very aggressive defensively, but there were a lot of, I mean, 32 fouls for the Wolves. And uh, and twenty four for the Grizzlies. This was uh, yeah. this was a physical game, and this was not a uh, tightly officiated no. game. It was just there was a lot of yep. fouls. Like these, there was a lot of sloppy stuff too, like dumb stuff where it's like reaching on mm -hmm. guys, you know, forty feet from the basket and things like that. So if yeah. you're Minnesota, you're thinking D'Angelo Russell two for eleven. Sure, some of the other guys might cool off, but D'Lo can shoot much better than that too. So maybe yep. there is some sustainability there. I think we both had Grizzlies in either five or six. Does the game yeah. one outcome change your, your prediction on that? Uh, yeah, I don't I think it'll probably go yeah. six now. I tend to think when the road team wins one, they'll get at least one yep. more at home. So, so yeah, should, you, so I'll say staying six. with Memphis though. Yeah, I'm still going to stay with okay. Memphis. I, I just, you know, and I don't think they'll overreact too much, but they, you know, not that Minnesota has a ton of playoff experience, but young team, you know, let's, let, let's see. Minnesota gets up 2-1 that game four, and, but, but huge breaking news, but becomes super duper oh, important because yeah. if you're Memphis, you, you do not want to be going back home just to win this day alive. Right. Like it's, yeah. Okay. All right. Want to do awards? Uh, yes, we shall. We're already we're already at the forty minute mark for for the, for this show, but we I don't think we'll we need to detail these awards too much. So let's dive no. into it. Um, yeah. All right, guys. So just a couple things on these. We did these the finalists now for the individual awards: MVP, Rookie of the Year, Six Man, Coach of the Year, Most Improved are all out. Um, the NBA mm -hmm. released those uh, yesterday. <laughs> Weird timing, which I know wasn't the plan, but right on the heels of that Celtics-Nets game. So I think people were kind of still buzzing and missed a little bit of that. Um, but those are all officially out. But um, So we're not picking off of those by any means. These were our picks. Um, so we did them just like a real ballot would be done. Full disclosure, neither one of us has a mm -hmm. real ballot. Um, but we've got our uh, we we filled it out like it would be. So we'll go through each of the individuals, all NBA, all defense, and all rookie, and uh, and get into that. So of course can't start anywhere but MVP. 
Um, I'll, I'll go first here just, just in case I'm playing human shield just in case <laughs> um, on this one. But I went with Nikola Jokic first, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Devin Booker, and Jason Tatum. Um, I did not have a huge amount of concern picking Jokic over Embiid. I think their records were similar enough that I don't really care about that. Um, yes, they both dealt with stuff, Jokic with injured players and Bede with the Simmons nonsense. I just think Jokic did stuff this year we've never seen before. Um, and don't all of this stuff, I know no one's going to come at us overly hard on this, but all of the you're an idiot if you pick either no. guy, you know, if you don't pick my guy, that's dumb. Um, you know, so I, I you know, I'm not going to, you know, go go there with that. But but I did go with Jokic. My toughest thing was I leaned Tatum over Luka just slightly uh, for the fifth spot. Um, and that was just more the Celtics pulling into that second seed in the East, the way they played down the stretch. I thought Tatum was a massive part of that, but but I feel pretty good about that top five. Okay, so mine was, uh, like yours, Jokic, Jokic Embiid, Giannis, um, obviously going with Jokic. And uh, again, you can really go either way with it, but Jokic, I just thought was, I thought their records were close enough, the Nuggets and the 76ers record-wise were close enough to where I wasn't yep. going to factor team success in too much, and I just thought Jokic has been absolutely fantastic and deserves to be the back-to-back MVP. I'm not going to fall prey to, like, voter fatigue or whatever and just give it to Embiid instead. Uh, Giannis, I think, made a, a case, but Jokic was was absolutely tremendous all season long, and if anything, maybe I broke the tie a little bit with my disdain towards the flopping stuff that we see out of, out of Embiid and the foul hunt and, and all of that it's not it's not as egregious as we've seen from some players in seasons past but it's so close mm-hmm. between those two guys that that may have influenced my decision a, a little bit there to go Jokic uh then at the four I have Luka and then at the five I have uh Booker Luka was just so good I I needed to to make sure that he was in that mix there particularly with that um the late stretch from the Mavs where they really poured things on uh the Celtics certainly Tatum I gave consideration but it's such a team first approach um, sure. And then Booker, because the Suns have been the best, the best team for the entire season, I felt like he's been a big piece to that. Uh, they, they again, they really spread out the heavy lifting, so it's hard to say there's an MVP from their team. But I felt like Booker deserved a a, a nod there. Yeah, I, I just when somebody is really, really good on the best team in the league by a very wide yeah. margin, I have no problem with boosting the guy up a little bit. All right, so let's move on to Rookie yep. of the Year. I'll let you go first sure. on this. I've one. got it in this order, and I think the top, I think the first two, you can are interchangeable. If you want to tell me it's the other guy, cool. Evan Mobley got the got it for me, but Scotty Barnes is right there, and then Cade Cunningham gets the the third spot for me. And again, if if you told me reverse the first two, cool. I mean, it, it's a coin flip between the two of them in my mind. So that's really funny because I had the same three, but I did reverse. Oh, okay. Them. I went with Scotty Barnes over Evan cool. Mobley, and. I do not in rookie of the year because in general, these guys go to really terrible Mm -hmm. teams. I don't factor in the team success stuff unless I use it as a tiebreaker. And in this case, I was so torn on Barnes or Mobley. I went with Barnes team was a little bit better. Um, And and that's maybe not super fair because Mobley's team was better for most of the year. And uh, he did have, you know, arguably less help around him than Barnes did. But, you know, this is one of those ones. This is almost one, too, where I wouldn't be upset if we did the old. But who who was it? It was um, Grant Hill and somebody Grant Hill and someone back. Uh, And and Jason Kidd. Kidd, Yep. Split it. And then was it Elton Brand and someone a couple years later split it? 
Um, I would not be yeah. upset if they split this uh, voting here between those two mm-hmm. guys. They they both very deserving. Candidates, Cade Cunningham still, I think, may be the best player from this draft maybe. class. He just didn't have the best rookie year. I think. But it's still had a very good I think player. Evan Mobley's ceiling is the highest of those three. I think so, too, probably because of his yeah. two-way. Ability to play on both ends, yep. All right. right. Uh, Defensive player of the year. I went first on last one, so you go with this one. All right. Call me Homer. You're a Homer, Keith. Marcus Smart. (laughs) I went with Marcus Smart. I just think uh, it's it's time for a guard to win. I think he was great. Um, Then I went with Bam Adebayo second, and I went with Mikael Bridges third. I think it's absurd that Bam Adebayo was not in the the real final list uh, of these three. Um, No knock against Rudy Gobert, but I thought he slipped some, and I thought the Jazz uh, defense because of that slipped Mm -hmm. some, and I thought Bam was was unbelievable in the games he played. I'm dealing with the whole rim protection is more important than anything else stuff i think you know smart guards everybody too but you know again if if it was any one of those three guys who wins the only way in real life i'm going to be upset is if gobert actually wins again then then i'm not going to be real happy because i think smart and bridges were both clearly better than him and i also think he had a bio was better than him i actually have it the the same way I, I have smart bridges and, ah, and bam look at you i've got it in in that order and now here's my my little qualifier here though on marcus smart it's I'm it feels weird because it's almost a team award that's being given to an individual. Like, I don't know. Is he really the best defensive player in the entire NBA? I don't know, but his team is the best defensive team, and he's a very, very, very good defender. And he's probably the one you point to the most on that end of the floor. So therefore, he kind of gets defensive player of the year. But I'm giving him some credit here for how good the team has been defensively and not just his own particular defense. At least that's the way that I that yeah. I looked at it. I think he's certainly up there, and his his name deserves to be up there. But in in my mind, I'm breaking the, any kind of a tie here by looking at how good the Celtics team defense has been, and then bu- and bumping him up accordingly. I I think that's fair. All right, let's go sixth Six sixth man. man. I have I I I mean I think this is I'll be surprised if you have something different for the number one. I've got Tyler Hero. Uh, at winning the sixth man of the year. Then I've got uh, Cam Johnson, and uh, and then Kevin Love sneaks in there for me. Okay, so I have Hero too. Yep. No, this is not the guy who scores the most points off the bench <laughs> award, right. which is uh, it quite often does turn into. But Tyler Hero was incredible as the sixth man. Mm-hmm. It was a true sixth man all season long. You know, was was that? Um, I had Kevin Love number two. Um, I thought I thought in a lot of years, if Hero wasn't so good as a six man, I think Love might have won this award, mm-hmm. and I think might have won it kind of easily. Um, and then I had Tyus Jones, okay, the Grizzlies. Um, is my, my other guy. And I'd have to look at me. I might've broken a rule there. He maybe did start too much with the amount of time John missed. Um, but if he didn't, I feel really good about that pick. Cause I thought Tyus Jones was, was excellent. Um, just as an aside free agent this summer, I'm mm. really curious to see, cause I think there are some teams, Jalen Brunson's the guy who's getting all the love is the free agent point guard. I think there's a couple of teams that might prefer Tyus Jones to to him, especially if you don't need as much scoring, if you need someone to run the show. Mm-hmm. Tyus Jones also, he never turns the ball over. I mean, go look at his turnover numbers for his career. They are insane how efficient with the ball he is and that he never gives it away. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good pick. Cam Johnson, though, finalist in real life, uh, very deserving too. He, he was really, really good. 
So good, good call by you. Yeah, I, I think that he's been fantastic. And part of this was I still have that banked in three pointer at the buzzer ringing in my in my head <laughs> from Cam, John, Cam Johnson towards the end of the season. But um, but I liked it. All right, let's go to most improved. Uh, most improved. Um, this one's always a little bit hard because I don't you don't want to just turn this into any you know crazy picks. And I've seen a lot of arguing on the real finalists out there. I went with Miles Bridges. I thought the jump he made for mm-hmm. the Hornets was was incredible uh, this year. I thought he really became you know a really good good player. Dejounte Murray was my second choice, and then Jordan Poole as my third choice. I thought Jordan Poole. Um, Going from being a guy who looked like I eh, could maybe be something, but on a really terrible team, uh, to being a really good player um, on a very, very good team, it you know, was huge. But yeah, Bridges, Murray, and Poole for me. One, two, three. Good picks. Good picks. And I, and I, and when you added, I don't have Bridges or Murray in there. Uh, Bridges would be the one that would probably bump someone on my list if I were to change something on here. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm just saying that if I was to bump someone out, it would probably be Bridges would be the one that I would add in. I have Darius Garland as, um, as most improved. Yeah, that's a good choice. Liked, liked what he, I mean, he made the leap this year and the Cavs had so much success in, in direct result to him. We saw what happened to their offense whenever he was out. Uh, Jordan Poole, our guy got, got the second spot for me. And then I went John Morant for third. And I know some people will look at the, that and say, philosophically, are you really going to give the guy most improved for going from star to superstar, but I think that he did ascend this year. And so maybe it's cheating a little bit because he's already really, really good. But uh, but I went with Jaw for my, my third spot there. Yeah, that's it. And I think I have no issue with that. We say it all the time that the leap from from uh, you know good player to star mm-hmm. is is tough, but the leap from star to superstar is even harder. So why not? You know, reward the guy when he actually makes that leap. All right, coach of the year, your turn. Go first. So coach of the year, and I I've, I've been seeing a lot of pushback against this, but in my mind, it's Taylor Jenkins. It's it's okay. it's that simple. And I've seen a lot of people say, you know, a lot of articles, especially from my son's guys, articles have been coming out saying the the coach of the year is Monty Williams and it's not close and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, the, the coach of the year award tends to go to the team that outperforms expectations the most. Okay, that's yeah. what you usually see. Same thing with executive of the year. That's usually the way that goes. And I thought that the Grizzlies not only were tremendous all season long, but they also did a great job mitigating injuries and dealing with, okay, jaw is out. Oh, we just keep winning, right? They just keep on rolling. So I'm going Taylor Jenkins. Monty Williams does get the number two. And then I went with Ime Odoka for the, the third slot. And uh, and that wasn't just to just to earn your favor or anything, Keith. I just going to say, who's the Celtics guy? On this <laughs> right. <podcast? laughs> I, I thought that their defense, the way it turned a corner, hit another level um, compared to anything else we've seen in the NBA this season. And so I want to give him credit for that, uh, in particular, fighting through all the negative commentary around him and and all of that and be and managing to stay firm with what he was working for. I thought that was very commendable. So uh, so that's my top three. Yeah, really. And this was tough. Um, I flip-flopped to the top two. I did have Monty Williams. Um, it is supposed to be an award for this year, but sometimes prior years sure. bleed in. And I felt like he could have won it last year, uh, maybe should have won it. Um, they were the best team in the league, most dominant team in the league almost all year uh, for them. They, the only reason they even backed off was because they sat a bunch of guys mm-hmm. at the end because they clinched everything, 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 you know, both conferences, best record in the league, all of that so early that they were able to back off. And then Taylor Jenkins, I had second mm-hmm. 
for all the reasons you called out, you know, unbelievable season for Memphis. And now this is three good seasons in a row for the Grizzlies that they've uh, beat expectations. I think Taylor Jenkins is starting to be one of those guys where uh, Memphis lock him up to an extension soon mm-hmm. before that becomes a thing. Um, and then I put Eric Spolster in the third spot. I thought that he were really good. They were better than I thought they would be. Always a good pick. Um, yeah. And, you know, I also look at it too, is they went through a lot of stuff with a lot of guys mm-hmm. out throughout the course of the year. Bam missed a lot of time. Kyle Lowry missed a lot of time. Butler missed some time. PJ Tucker missed some time and they just keep rolling. Um, there's no team in the league. I feel more confident about, Hey, here's a random dude from the G league. All right, plug him into the rotation and give it a week, and that guy's coached up and ready to go. Then, then the Miami Heat, and that's that's a Spolster thing and a developmental thing. But yeah, you know, good. All right, we'll go to Executive of the Year. Now, this one's a little it's bit tough. different. The reason, if if anybody's wondering why there was not a uh, um, an announcement of the finalists, this one's not voted on by the media like all the other awards are. This one's voted on by the other executives uh, with the base rules of they just can't vote for mm-hmm. themselves. But we we threw it in here anyway. Um, all right, call me a homer again. Brad Stevens, I put in the top spot. Kobe Altman, second. Arturis Karnasovich, third. Mm. Um, Stevens, I thought making the Horford for Kemba trade is huge. That got everything off to a huge start. Um, Then two things. One, making the Derek White move, kind of basically saying, you know what? This Dennis Schroeder signing we made over the summer is not going so great. Going and getting Daniel Tice back, which now looks even better considering Rob Williams' injury. Um, But also the just the willingness to stick with it and not trade. Um, Tatum or Brown and basically say, no, you know, we believe in these guys. We're going to roll with what we have here. I think that also can't be underrated. Kobe Altman put together a great team in Cleveland. Uh, that vision to say, hey, we're going to be big. We're going to be goofy, but I think it'll work. You know, it's huge. And then, then uh, Karnasovich kind of rebuilding the bulls on the fly here in the span of an off season. Maybe I let it bleed in a little bit with getting Vooch last year, but um, but they you know getting DeRozan, getting Ball, getting Caruso. I think we've kind of forgotten that team was really really good when they were healthy, and then injuries kind of waylaid them. So those were my top three. All right, uh, I've got Zach Kleiman from for the Grizzlies, um, getting my my top spot. I think that I give a lot of credit to teams who have the temptation to cash in some some pieces and go for it and don't. And decide they're they're going yep. to continue to to build organically and do what they what they need to do there uh, around a young team. And so I give the Grizzlies a lot of credit for the patience they had there. Maybe I'm just copying and pasting my coach of the year answer there. I don't know, but but I think that they've been, <laughs> that they were they made some very smart moves in terms of yep. of having that kind of um, patience to let this team really grow and and build out and, and go from there. Uh, and then I went Bob Myers for the Warriors. I thought he's made some very smart decisions. I thought that the signings that he made this this offseason, look at bringing in uh, Otto Porter and Bielitsa, he brought in guys that, that fit their system, guys that were in demand, that were out there. And then I also went Brad Stevens in my my third spot um, just because of, again, we didn't know. I thought it was a gamble, the, the Horford trade. You knew he could fit personality-wise. You knew yeah. he'd be good there. But, I mean, who knew at 35 he'd be do- taking, you know, fast breaks, coast to coast dunking them like he looks like he's 25 <laughs> right. right now so um so that gamble certainly has paid off yep all right so that's the individuals let's get into the team awards now um i will say this off the jump before we get in all nba i did it the way the nba encourages people to do it which is 
You vote for the guy at the position they play most. So did not play games here okay. and put Jokic and Embiid both first team. Had I done that, my first team would have been my five MVP guys because I would have just slid Tatum down to the guard line and then just had Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Booker, and Tatum. But I tried to do it the way the league says to do it, which is how I do think it's going to play out in real life. So my top, uh, my center, Jokic, my forwards, Giannis and Tatum. My guard, one of the guards is Booker. So then, because I moved Embiid to the second center, I moved Luka Doncic into the first team as the other guard. Um, people scream and yell that he's not a guard. He's a guard. Mm-hmm. I don't like. That's what he is. He. If you actually go and look at the Mavs box scores too, every single game he's listed as a starting. So it is what it is. So he's Tatum, Booker, Luka. So I did kind of collude here, which is what it would take. It would take the voters kind of talking to each other in order to make this happen because the way it works is you actually have to... So in order to to get in at a certain position, it's not just you have to be the top of that position. You have to get more votes at that position than you do at any other position, which means it would take a lot of coordination on the part of voters say, hey, okay, we know Jokic and Embiid should both be in the top five. Everybody vote Jokic at center and everybody vote Embiid at forward in order to, to make this yeah. happen. Otherwise, if you were to split the votes between those two, it, yeah, it, wouldn't, it, be, it would be a mess. Yeah. So anyway, but that's what I did. So I went Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Booker, and Luka, again, mirroring my MVP uh, vote. All right. All right. What's your second team? Second team. I've got Carly Anthony Towns, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, John Morant, and Chris Paul on, on my second okay. team. There. So we're, we're obviously different at center. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have Embiid as my second team center. Uh, then I had Kevin Durant as the forward um, there. A couple people will may say, you know, why Tatum over Durant? His games played is more than anything okay. else. Like, he played so much more. Um, so that's why I would go with Tatum uh, on the first team over Durant. Uh, then my other forward, this one might be where there's a little bit of controversy. But go look at the numbers. This guy was really good. I had Pascal Siakam. Oh, I like it. As, as my second forward. Then mm-hmm. I had John Morant as one of the guards. And then I had Steph as the other guard. And it was tough between Steph and Chris Paul. I went back and forth quite a bit. Um, but I went with Steph as my second second guard there. I thought he was, you know, excellent. Uh, you know, this year when he did play, he was an MVP candidate, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of the year. So so I went with that. Then my third team. So now we're getting into where maybe it gets a little bit different. My third team center actually went with Bam. Um I felt weird when I finished this initially. <clears throat> Maybe I'm going to give something away here, but I didn't have anybody from the Heat. Yeah, on and they're the one seed. Teams, and they're the one seed. And I just think for reasons, I think there were forwards who were better than Jimmy Butler, which I'll get into in a second. And I just felt like Bam was really, really good. Cat, very close. Very, very close. I had that one I went back and forth on, but then I was like, yeah, I just I got to have somebody from the Heat represented there my forwards uh i went with lebron i i mean the numbers are there mm-hmm. he's on the third team because of the games yep. played in the team record but the numbers are there the numbers are absurd then i went with demar Derozan. i don't feel bad about that choice at all um i think he had a great season there was a point in time where he was an mvp candidate then i went with chris paul and then my last guard i went with trey young mm-hmm. um again that's a numbers thing he did get his team uh there in the end um by the time I filled this out, I did it before the playing games were done. But um, they, they felt like he was he had done what he needed to do record wise to get his team there, and the numbers were there. So Bam, LeBron, Demar Derozan, 
Chris Paul, Trey Young. Okay, so here here's mine. I also uh, went with Bam Adebayo uh, as as All NBA third team, but I gave a nod to Jimmy Butler. Like you mentioned, there are some other players who maybe could be ahead of him, but the Miami Heat being the the one seed, how good they've been this year. I decided to give them a second player there. LeBron, uh, Steph Curry, and DeMar DeRozan rounded out my third team okay. All-NBA. So you moved DeRozan down to the guard yep. line, which is, that's where he was at All-Star. Yep. So that's where, that's no, where I put him. No real issue there. Yeah. So, um, soapbox moment. Let's just make this positionless Please. NBA. Yes. Let's just, just, you know, we can just pick the best five. I realize then historical precedent and stuff maybe gets thrown off, but I don't really care. Yeah. Like just please go positionless. It's it just make it easier on everybody. I don't want to have these silly Some, arguments. Sometimes right, let's because go. that's what we've always done isn't a good reason. Nope, not a never yeah. good enough answer. Absolutely. All right, all defense mm-hmm. teams. Um, mine, my first team, pretty easy. I had my three guys, so smart, Bam, and Bridges on my first team. Then my other forward, Jaron Jackson Jr who had a tremendous year. And then Matisse Thybul, who was just, you know, for large chunks of the year, was absolute lockdown as the other guard. That's my all-defense first team. Okay, so I am, and this isn't too much of a stretch. I'm using Bam as a forward in this. So I've got uh, I've got yeah, Gobert, Bam, Jaron Jackson Jr., and then my guards are Smart and Bridges. Okay, not yep. bad. All right, second team, I that's where I put Gobert. I put him behind uh-huh. Bam. Then Giannis, then Draymond. I bumped Draymond down to the second team just the games played. Okay. Dang, I, you know Jackson was better. Then I went with Dejounte Murray, who is you know one of the better all around guards, also really good defensive rebounder yep. for a guard. And then I went with Fred VanVleet, who I think gets overlooked um, in the, the fact that Toronto. We all when we think of the Raptors, first thing you think about is a bunch of dudes who are six foot eight with seven foot wingspans, but. Fred VanVleet's really, really good. He is so tough on ball um, that I really wanted to make sure to get him in there. Keith, you're making me, me look like the Celtics homer again here. Um, I've got <laughs> I've got Robert Williams as my my center on the second unit, um, and that's I, I think that his his mobility in addition to the rim protection, where he's not super mobile, but he's got enough to where they can get away with having him out there and still be really, really good in terms of recovering defensively. Um, I thought that was really key to the Celtics defense, so I go with him there. I've got Giannis, uh, Matisse Thybul, Drew Holiday, and Herb Jones and my, on right. my second unit. Not on Herb. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I was close. I was really, really close with Herb Jones. And I, I maybe I looked at it as, all right, well, we're doing this 10 years sure. from now. He'll have racked up nine yeah. of them by then. You know, so, yeah, he, he's he's good. So, all right, I will tell you where I did have Herb Jones. We'll finish this out with our all-rookie yep. teams. These are positionless. Um, all-rookie is a positionless thing, thank God. Because <laughs> by the time you get to the last couple spots on the second team, it gets a little, ugh. Um, But. The top three guys I had for rookie of the year, Barnes, Mobley, Cunningham. Then I had Franz Wagner, uh-huh. only Franz, um, from, from uh, the Orlando Magic. I think he was terrific. And then I had Herb Jones okay. um, as the other first-team all-rookie guy. I thought, uh, you know, defensively just unbelievable uh, year defensively. And then Wagner was just really, really good. I, I mean, I know people stopped probably watching Orlando shortly after the first of the year, but he was terrific. He, he absolutely was. Um, he did not make my first team by, by one spot. He didn't make my – so I've got – Okay. Mobley, Barnes, Cade, Jones, and Jalen Green. And I, I went with okay. Jalen Green. It's a toss-up, though. I mean, him and Franz, they were both both fantastic sure. this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jalen Green was mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I, I don't have any real issue with that. He's on my second team along with Josh Giddy, who was you know really good NBA Chalamet. Um, I thought was you know pr- pretty good as a triple double candidate and playing really really well. Then it gets a little tough. Um, to to round this out, so I start looking a little bit at team success mm-hmm. and guys who who put up numbers as well. I went with Jonathan Kaminga for the Warriors. I think um, you know it was pretty solid. I went with Bones Highland from the Nuggets, uh, rotation guy from day one, and you know held his own. And then I went with Chris Duarte from the Pacers. I think he got lost a little bit because they were terrible at the end of the year, and he got hurt. But he had a really good, solid, all-around rookie season. Was came in billed as you know this guy's probably the most ready to play right out of the gate, and that proved to be true. Okay, so I went with Franz Wagner. I went with Giddy. I went Io Dusunmu. Uh, then I threw okay. in uh, Bones Highland. Got got a nod for me. Uh, he was my my Vontae Mack. No matter what, heading into this draft, it was Bones <laughs> Highland. No matter what, so he's going to get. And then I made my one homer pick here. I had no, to do it. Here it is. HBK Austin Reeves, come on, <laughs> he's gonna look. He he. I don't. He outplayed it. veterans I, and I and earned a spot on the Lakers rotation and uh, earned the trust of LeBron James. So I'm giving I'm giving the kids some love here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, I man, that's that's what it's all about. And again, these weren't real ballots, nope. so uh, the, these were our choices. So yeah, I have no problem with that. But but there it is, guys. You can you know, let us know in the comments where you think we we blew it, what you think we did mm-hmm. wrong with these picks. Um, now that we've recorded this, I will be putting mine out on Twitter uh, later for for the world to see you know what what it looked like um, with this. But yeah, it's uh yeah, it, it was tough though. Some of these choices were really really hard. And I know at least for me, like I tried to put effort in like this was a real ballot mm-hmm. um for me i really you know spend an awful lot of time looking at these guys and trying to figure this out but yeah all, all around a hard difficult year and this whole thing of these oh, kind of sort of there's no real you know there's a oh, well, what is it what do they say in the pirates of the caribbean movies that they're, they're more of more of guidelines yeah, they're more like guidelines rules. yeah like, yeah, so it's like that. That's even these guidelines aren't very yeah. good. But yeah, it was a lot, lot of fun. You know, it was this was a tremendous. I, I know you maybe feel different for very good reasons. I thought this was a really good, fun NBA nope. season. Um, I, <laughs> I think the league showed it is in great hands with all the incredible young talent that is coming into the league. Um, you know, it, it, for a while there. I mean, we might have to go back three, four years ago now. There was a real question of, like, what happens when LeBron and crew age mm-hmm. out? Like, where are we going You know, with the league? Because there was a sense of, like, Durant, Curry, Westbrook, those guys, they're all – close in age to to those guys they're they're only going to be around a few more years after i mean at this point lebron might outplay all of them as far as longevity goes we do knows but it is uh you know with the emergence of some of the guys like you know tatum booker of course Giannis, and bead like and then it's this rookie class being so good like it the the league's as deep in town as i can ever remember and i think that made this such a fun year uh taking a step back from the lakers Yes, this this was a fun year. 
from the Lakers yep. lens, it was literally the worst oh. year ever. It's literally the worst year in team yeah. in team history relative to expectations. So it, it was for me, yeah. that was a grind night in and night out. And 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 we're gonna do it all offseason too. We're gonna be talking about this team and all of these self-inflicted wounds and everything. So for me, this is not a season that I will look back on fondly at all. Um, no, but I can completely understand. from an NBA perspective. Yes. I thought, I thought in particular how tight the playoff races were in both conferences were, were pretty exciting. You know, aside from Phoenix really running away with the, with the West, you had some intrigue, uh, particularly in the middle of the, of the brackets there and uh, in the middle yep. of the table. I mean, so that was, it was a fun one in that regard. I thought the play in, you went with table. You in the, I always, so I, I always here? go table. I don't know why. It's, it's how I. It's the I word that it. that I think of when I look at it. But, but in any event, it's. That. And I thought the play-in tournament was excellent once again. And the NBA yeah. has gotten there. Are people who say, well, you know, it's not fair to the the seven seed or, or whatever. There's there's going to be a line that you draw somewhere, no matter what. I think from the league perspective, it's a great thing, and it just adds to the excitement yeah. at the end of the season, and it's acted as a tanking deterrent so i think that is here to stay and uh and it's created more interest in the league late in the season so um so yeah i mean overall for the nba good season for the lakers let's get to july 1st please fast forward <laughs> all all i'm gonna say about the lakers is and man, maybe I'm, I'm biased on this one is the way you cover the team day in, day out, I really appreciate because it's not you were not uh you were not all rainbows and sunshine. You you didn't go there as quick as some Lakers fans went. I felt like it was Christmas and they were like, This team oh, sucks, yes. blow it up, yeah. trade everybody, fire in, in general, I'm you more hung even in. keeled, and that's that's yeah, that's my personal. You did a really good job. But I thought once it became clear shortly after the trade deadline that it was going to be kind of probably not where the season wanted to go. I thought you did a good job then of calling out the things that were problems, calling out the stuff, but in a fair way without being hyperbolic and overly critical, but never, you know, like you said, there wasn't, you know, Oh, it's all rainbows and sunshine. It's all good. And I'll tell you guys, it can be really hard to cover a team and try to keep it down the middle because there are times when you get frustrated. Sure. I mean, Trevor and I talk a lot off air and there's times when you're like, God, this team sucks. Fire them all into the sun. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then there's other times when they, they, do really good stuff. And you're like, all right, you know, maybe I'm going to allow myself to believe a little bit here that, you know, and it can be really hard. And in, in your own self-interest comes in as well when you're covering a sure. team, because it's you like, for me, I can say now the Celtics, part of my desire for them to make a good long playoff run is more people read my stuff. I have more stuff yep. to write about the rest of the year. I have a lot of stuff to, to put out over at Celtics blog and that, you know, the better the team is, the more the field gets pared down, the more people start looking at that stuff. I've seen it. I know what my numbers look like um, on the years when they've made those, those deep runs into the playoffs. So there's some selfishness creeps in there as well as long, along with, right. These are the teams we grew up sure. with and fans of and everything else, but, but it, it can be kind of hard to, to, to play that down the line. And I think, you know, I think you, and I think, you know, most of your crew, uh, Lakers Nation, you guys did a, did a really good job despite it being a, you know, complete crap fest of a season that nobody, you know, wanted minus, you know, some of my uh, brethren <laughs> up north here on the East Coast in the New England area. Well, thank you. Much, much appreciated, Keith. You know, we uh, we do try to, you know, to take things as down the middle as we can, but we're also fans too uh, at heart. And so that, that certainly matters. And it was a, like we said, it was a frustrating season, but... You mentioned the opposite. I think that's what stresses me out the most. So I know I've got three months now of 
potential Russell Westbrook trades to, t- to talk about. Like that's <laughs> that's where it gets tough. And this for me, I'm the type where a lot of people say like, oh, you know, cool, you get time off and all that kind of stuff. It, it, you don't have quite as much to do. You're not as busy. I'm like, I stress more when I don't have a lot to cover. So yeah. no, for so for me that my my stress level goes through the roof looking at okay we've got april we've got may then we get to june we have the draft but then we're going to have another long and we haven't had this in the last few years because we've had shorter off season then we've got that typical drought too from fourth week of july ish through middle of september we're going to have that too so for, for what we do that makes things more difficult for sure and so that's that certainly does factor yeah. into my experience on the whole season no I, i'm with you there comes a time when we get into late july early august i'm so conditioned now to ah, like then i can i can breathe i can you know because then by that point it's also people aren't necessarily looking for stuff right, right. then right they, they've, they've turned to their football brain right yep. they're gearing up for nfl preseason and all that and that is our time to breathe and we you know we plan our lives around this calendar the specific calendar of the the way the nba works and it's been all thrown out of whack the last couple of years it's been you know weird and goofy and all this other stuff it's funny my wife my my wife's birthday is at the end of June and tends to fall on draft day oh. quite often. And she is, um, she's like, oh, cool. We're back to the draft, maybe being on my birthday again. She's like, I did kind of like those couple of years where it wasn't on my birthday. Um, but in general, this is, um, you know, yeah, this can be a really tough time. But at least here on the front office show side, we're going to have a ton of stuff because we'll continue to cover the playoffs and all the this stuff that's going to trickle out. I think we're going to continue to get a lot of – I think we're going to get a lot of trade yep. rumors because there's just not a lot of cap space. It's not a great free agent class. Um, I also think the league is super-duper wide open. So people are going to be like, hey, we can we can do this. And the playoffs teach us what do we need to win. You know, where are we at? And as teams fall out of the playoffs, so we're going to have all that coverage for you guys. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff planned for summer league mm-hmm. and the draft and free agency and all that stuff coming down the line. So you know, just so stick with us here if you're looking for the league wide coverage because we're going to have a lot of fun the rest of the, you know over the next uh, few months leading in and we're we're, we're a lot of cool stuff going. Absolutely. On. So make sure you do rate, review, and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and of course subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube yep. channel. Turn on those notifications as well super size episode today we hit almost almost an hour and 20 minutes 20 minutes here hey, it's been a that's while. right it has been a little bit so we had tons to get through hopefully you guys enjoyed the giant size episode that we got here till next time see ya and stay safe without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.